Okay, so Advent. Advent means arrival. Uh, it is this time of anticipation. Uh, as, as, as we know, the anticipation of Christ coming into this world, the incarnation, Christ's uh, birth, uh, but also the second coming. Right, Because we know uh, that, that the promise was not only that he was going to come uh, one time, but that he was going to come back, which we uh, excitedly anticipate. And so last week, uh, we looked at and we talked about this, this promise uh, that was initiated by God, this promise, this promise of a new covenant, uh, a, a better covenant, one that would encompass all the other covenants. And, and we read about this in Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 through 34, actually. And, and let me just read that uh, so we can get uh, ourselves back into that place. It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declared the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So that was this promise, right, that we looked at. And guys, what's so amazing about this, when we look at these Old Testament prophecies, I mean, that was written around 587 B.C. Wow, you really don't care. <laughs> like, at all. Like, like that, was, that did not land at all. So, okay, okay, you don't care. I think it's pretty amazing. 587 B.C. <laughs> I know. I know, so long ago. How did they know? So we have here this, this promise, hundreds of years before, a promise of forgiveness, of, of adoption, of, of peace. And, and I think what was tough uh, is, you know, for many of us, when we even hear the word promise, it's tainted, and, and we live with this reality of these unkept promises, these unfulfilled, or maybe these empty promises that we've heard before, uh, even from childhood, and they never came to fruition. And so we replay those in our minds often. Uh, I'm reminded almost every day, I feel like when I come home, but dad, you promised. And because I allegedly promised something, they're trusting that I have a plan to fulfill that promise and on their timeline. Let's be clear on that. And you guys, uh, we do the same thing. We do the same thing in our lives, right? We do the same thing. A, a, a boss will approach you and it's like, hey, this is, this is man, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to put you in this position. I'm going to advance you. Uh, you're going to get a raise. Uh, this, this opportunity is going to present itself. And all of a sudden, we're like building out this, this timeline and, 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 you know, and we're, man, well, when is this going to happen? I'm so excited. Wow, I, it must mean that this time. And we do the same thing in relationships, right? Like, uh, I, I promise or, or I love you. And, and all 
all of a sudden it's like, well, they said it. They must mean it. And, and, and that means they want to marry me. And, and, and we start building out these things accordingly, right? To what we heard, what we believe was a promise. And then we take it and filter it into the timeline that we believe needs to happen. Scripture tells us that God had a predetermined plan, a predetermined plan to fulfill his promise, the promise that we just read about. And the plan was Jesus. He came to fulfill and accomplish a a specific task. Uh, We read in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't this random thing. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us hundreds of years before he arrived, who he'd be, what he would do. Uh, we have all of these messianic prophecies, um, uh, 300 to 500 of them, uh, addressing his birth, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All the way from Genesis chapter three, there is that promise that he would defeat Satan and death. Uh, and, and, and then we, we see that being, uh, continued to be proclaimed by prophets in Isaiah 53, which was written 740, uh, to 680 BC, him talking about this promise, uh, and, and the plan and how it would look. Uh, and then in Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 through 18, we get, we get more into what was the plan? How was he going to do this? And it says this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I'll tell you what, right now, you want to talk about something that's hitting in culture is the fear of death says in verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being uh, tempted. Okay, so so there it is. There is this plan uh, in place that Jesus came to fulfill It wasn't random. And all throughout scripture, it reminds us of that. It reminds us that there's purpose. It reminds us that there is timing to this plan, that it was was orchestrated in such a way so that that there could be no doubt. Uh, And in fact, in Galatians chapter four, uh, verses four and five, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that he might so that we might receive adoption as sons. So when the fullness of time had come, in other words, when the timing was just right, when, when, when everything had aligned for God's perfect plan, then and only then did Jesus come. And then we see in Acts chapter two, as Peter is preaching and he's in trouble, but he's preaching to his listeners. And he says this about this plan in chapter two, verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite 
plan, and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Like, do you see this? He says, yeah, you delivered him up. But this was all part of a predetermined, already established plan before you came into being. This all happened according to the sovereign and perfect will of God the Father that that happened. And you guys were there. You saw it. It's not random. See, you guys, the birth of Jesus is not God finally responding in love to us. Like at some random moment, he then decided to initiate forgiveness and then to really love us. He's like, okay, now I'm going to really love them. Right? He is, this has always been the plan. He has always loved us. He has always planned to make a way back to himself for humanity. It's incredible. I mean, Adam and Eve were literally kicked out of the garden so that humanity could have a way back to him. Like when you look back at it, he literally kicked them out so they couldn't keep eating of the tree of life and live on forever in this state of disconnect from a perfect and holy God, right? Like like he protected them from that. So all throughout scripture, from the very beginning, you see a loving and gracious God who continues to orchestrate this plan that's beyond our ability to comprehend or, or, or even see. And yet it's all come about because of his incredible love for you and me. He promised. Then he told us the plan. And then what's so cool is you and I, we have the completed work of God. We have the Bible. We get to see how he accomplished it. Promise kept. And then in John chapter one, he, he kind of just shows us this plan in real time, doesn't he? In John chapter one, uh, verse one, we see the fruition of this plan. It says, in the beginning was the word. Now, who's the word? There we go. Sunday answer. There you go. You got it. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay. So from the very beginning, right? So Jesus has always been there as part of the Trinity. Uh, he didn't just like, wasn't created being. No, an eternal, almighty, all-powerful God. So he's there with the father, with the spirit in verse one. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory uh, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Ooh, there it is. So the word became flesh. Now, the word Jesus entered into humanity in the most humbling of ways, right? This little baby to this poor young couple. He dwelt among us. And then in verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus, and this is what he says. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
says, behold. So, so, so Jesus uh, was the sacrificial lamb. And in verse 29 there, he actually links the Passover lamb from Exodus 12. Because remember, in the Old Testament, there had to be an animal sacrificed to pay the penalty for that sin. So he's linking this Passover lamb with prophecy as to who the Savior would be in this metaphor. Uh, we, we see the prophecy in Isaiah 53. Uh, in verse 5 of Isaiah 53, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Hundreds of years before, and John the Baptist sees Jesus in the flesh and he goes, there he is. He's here. He's here. We've heard, we've heard from the prophets hundreds of years before, Jesus is here. The sacrificial lamb is here. The perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. The one who knew no sin and yet took on sin and went to the cross as the payment, the perfect sacrifice, so that you and I could be saved. As Ephesians 1.17, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So through his death, this was always the plan, through his death, there could be life given. See, the, the new covenant that we read about, this promise, it, it required Christ's blood. And when Christ gave up his life on that cross, what happened? The temple veil was torn in two. Now, now wh wh why is that significant? Because that brought people into access of the Holy of Holies. So by Jesus dying on the cross, he broke down the barrier, the divide. This has always been the plan. I'm going to say that over and over again. This was always the plan, that he would break the barrier that you and I had, had no way to break. Uh, we couldn't be good enough. Uh, in fact, we keep stumbling in the opposite direction. And so Jesus took upon himself the very sins uh, that, that you and I have, that we are committed, that we will commit, took them upon himself. He went and through his death, he broke the divide into the holy holies, into the very presence of God to make a way back to the presence of God for you and me. And then eternal victory through the resurrection. This was always the plan. See, remember, uh, we were in Ruth like three weeks ago and kind of ended Ruth reminding us that <laughs> Humanity needs a redeemer. Humanity had to have a redeemer. We couldn't save ourselves. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see that revealed. And, and, and in the book of Ruth, it was so powerful. And, and, and so there needed to be 
a redeemer. And, and, and scripture tells us that, that that's what God promised. That the plan in place was that a redeemer would come. Uh, Isaiah 59, 20, it says, and a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. A redeemer is going to come. What's so powerful about that, same word there used for redeemer is actually kinsman redeemer from Ruth chapter three, verse nine. So it all goes back to the book of Ruth. And, and, and to be a kinsman redeemer meant what, right? You had to be related by blood to those who you were going to redeem. What does that tell us? That tells us why the incarnation of Jesus into the flesh was absolutely essential for him to be the redeemer. Remember in, in Hebrews chapter two, uh, what did it say in, in verses 14 through 16? It said, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong uh, slavery. And so he became as they were. This was the promise and the plan from the beginning. And yet the people failed to hold on to it, didn't they? And the more that time went by, the more disconnected they became from the promise, from the plan of God to where it just became this afterthought. They no longer lived like it was true. They no longer had this anticipation, this expectation. Man, when you read the Old Testament, it gets bleak, it gets dark, it gets depressing at different points, right? Why? Because the more distance they found themselves away from God. It's when we see they turn to idolatry. So when we see that their, that their relationship with God became a, a religion, it became legalism to them. And, 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 and that's the scene when Jesus comes, right? It's, 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 it's the very people who everyone said, man, they have it together. They're the most righteous. Those were the Pharisees and they were the most legalistic. That's why so many miss Jesus. Well, I always wonder when we read the story, why do so many people miss that Jesus arrived? And then why, this is also why so many failed to believe and to trust him. You guys, I, there are so many similarities to how people were living right before Jesus came to earth and to how people are living right now in light of his second coming. And guys, that, that's why, man, as I was studying this, I was like, this is why Advent is so important for us today. And I think this is also why uh, culture has, has literally taken this word like Advent and now it, it, it's like, no big deal, right? You just see it in the Christmas aisle, right? Like I can buy a Lego Advent series, right? Like it's, it's literally like just no big deal. Oh, what are we doing at church? Ah, the Advent series. I don't know. I'm supposed to do it at Christmas time. Like I guess, you know, like it's, it's, it's lost its significance, right? And so like more than any other time, we need this reminder. We need to be brought back uh, to the reality of, of, of this incredible promise, this incredible plan that was in play. And, 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 and I think, why is it so important? Because for us today, we need to know that there is a plan in place happening right 
now. Like right now. I mean, we just studied, our church went through the book of Revelation. I was going through 2023 last week, you know, having my reflection time. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, we did Revelation. And Revelation is incredible because it, 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 there's no way you walk away and go, ah, oh, it's all just random. I don't know. Like, no, there's an incredible plan. So detailed, we're like, God, what are you doing? You know? But we see this, this incredible promise. There's, there's a plan in place right now. Hebrews 9 tells us so clearly. In verse 27, it says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's coming back. Right? So, yeah, oh I, oh, I like that. That's cool. And, and here's the reality, though. This is another thing that so many of us have heard this. We've heard it. Right? We've, we've, some of us grew up in a church setting. We heard this. Some of us read it. Right? Some of us have had someone confront us with this, right? You're just walking down the street, mind your own business. Someone said, hey, if you got hit by a bus right now, do you know where you go? Oh, well, say this prayer if you want to be saved. Okay. Right? And, you know, Jesus is coming back. Where are you going to go? Like, ah, right? And so that's, some of you are very aware of that even before you even knew or had a relationship with God or others of us, were, we, we knew because there's been some movies that were done horribly to, to, to portray it. And, 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 and so it's, it's, it's a thing, right? It's a thing even in culture. But what happens when we've heard this and it becomes normalized is life just continues on. And instead of living in anticipation of the fulfilled promise to the plan, we just fall in line, don't we, with cultural norms. And ultimately, we become disconnected from God. Why? Well, just as my boys have a timeline for me, when I'm supposed to fulfill my promise, we've done the same thing with God. And because it hasn't happened on our timeline, we move on, don't we? We move on. We claim to still believe, but we live as if it's not happening. He said, I mean, we looked at this verse last week in Ezekiel 16, 16. He said, I'm going to remember my covenant with you. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, he reinforces to us this reality. Like, like he doesn't make mistakes. He follows through. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. He's literally saying, listen, you just need to know that, that his promises and plans will come to pass and all of them come to fruition through the name of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of every promise. 
And so that's something that was not just important uh, then and early in the church to cling to, to hold on to. You guys, that is a reality. Uh, that is a promise that you and I, we need to hold on to and cling to today. Because Matthew 5.18, it reminds us, he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. That is a promise, not from me to you, from a perfect and holy God who says, I, my, my plan, it will come to fruition. It will be, be complete. It will be perfect. Don't worry about it. Why is that so powerful for us today? Because the truth of God's plan it means life right now isn't meaningless or random. I mean, we can't avoid it. You know, it's for some of us, it's a great season, a, a time, right? When we give gifts, we receive gifts, family, all these things. But for others, it's also a time of deep discouragement, of pain, disappointment, of depression. And so we need to hear the truth of God's plan because it means right now isn't meaningless or random. And man, I just, I keep meeting people that, that they, that's, that's where they're at. They're like, well, look at what's going on. I mean, look at this. There's no way you can say there's meaning here. Or that's just random. There's no way you can tell me, Steve, that a God Who's or, he's orchestrating that. He's allowing that. And, and, and we're just going down this circle as a culture, uh, even as a nation, where we're, we're even more and more discouraged. And, and guys, statistics are, are just absolutely revealing that. You know, Kyle highlighted some of them, but I mean, they just came out with uh, the latest like suicide statistics. And it is like, uh, it's, un, it's unbelievable. I mean, the youth in the U.S. ages 10 to 24, that the suicide rate rose 62% from 2007 to 2021. That, that is an alarming, crazy statistic. Suicide rates in the U.S. went up 3% in 2022. That's, that's the greatest degree they've gone up ever since they've recorded. And you know who has the highest rate? What demographic? Men 75 years of age and older. So what is that telling us? Even people that have been through life, who have been seasoned in life, who have seen a lot, they are even coming to uh, this time in their life where they're reflecting back and even they are landing the plane on the fact that this is just meaningless, this is hopeless, I'm all alone, it's not worth it. And that's where we're at. But you guys, what we read here is that there is a plan a purpose, a set course that the earth is traveling on and the ending is one that can only be described through scripture as glory, as, as hope and endless joy for those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, what this does, what this tells me, why I can hold on to this is it says, there is a reason for you. There is a reason for you. There, there, there is a plan for you. 
There is nobody in this room who can listen to the promises and the plan of God and go, ah, I don't have any purpose, right? There's not a plan for me. No, there is a plan. There is a purpose for you. uh, And this is a, a promise that you can take hold of and then live in light of. But here's the challenge. Here's what I found that we've missed or we just conveniently avoid. When it comes to God's plan, what we see in scripture is often it involves life out of death. See, the the father's plan for his own son, it involved death, didn't it? I mean, ultimately it involved life for all who believe, but it was life through death. And so often we hear, and and I'll say it, I'll be the first to say that God has a great plan for your life. We'll hear that, right? And that's true, but in what sense? Is it on your terms or his? Is it just to make things easy in my life? Right? I mean, did God have a great plan for Jesus' life? Like, I don't know anymore. I don't know what to say, right? Yes, clearly. But it was one that involved the cross. You guys, his eternal plans are deeper. They're wiser than anything we can see. But we have to be careful not to think that the ultimate purpose of God for our life is our happiness. You guys, when we start filtering scripture and messages through that lens, you guys, that's when we start to unravel in our faith, just as the people in the Old Testament started to unravel. Because they heard the promises. They had the mouthpieces, the prophets of God sent to them to tell them, here's the promise of God. Here is the plan. This is what's going to happen. And yet it's not happening on my timetable. I want to go into the promised land now, right? I don't want to be in the desert any longer. I'm hungry now. You feed me, God. Uh, God, I'm sick. Uh, My family's sick. This situation, God, fix it now, right? Uh, In the promised land, God, get the enemies out of here so we can enjoy our promised land that you promised us. Like, do it now, right? And all throughout, we see uh, them literally saying these things to the Lord and living in such a way. And you you guys, here's the reality. Uh, We are doing the same thing. God, you promised that my life would be fulfilling, rewarding, happy, like joy-filled, right? I'm the fruit of the Spirit, God. We had a deal. You promised that to me. And so God, fix this. Fix that relationship. God, fix my family member. God, fix my health. God, fix my boss. Fix my working situation. Fix my roommates. Uh, God, you need to make this happen. And every time I'm declaring that, I'm not just declaring, I'm, I'm putting a time, I'm time stamping it, right? I'm not only crying out to the Lord and saying, deliver on your promise, but I'm also saying it better be by this date or else. And he's like, or what, Steve? Hey, you know, you know, like, I never needed you. Uh, but you guys, this is, this is what happened, And, and, I, and I think that as we await Jesus's return, we got to ask, do we have it backwards a little bit? Because often another truth about God's plan is this. 
I was reminded of this. I was, I was doing a wedding this, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so. And the bride came forward and she had a veil. And I don't do a lot of weddings anymore where they have the veil. And, and it was just a really cool wedding. And her parents lifted the veil. And it was just this moment with the, with the groom and her. You guys, one of the truths of scripture is that often God's plans are veiled. And we don't see them. But just as a bride is walking down the aisle, I mean, you know, I'm encouraging, you know, him like, yeah, you can't maybe see her face, but she's choosing to walk down the aisle to marry you. You guys, God is in complete control, even when we don't understand it. I mean, that is so undeniably clear from Genesis to Revelation that it's unavoidable. And, and, and looking back, God's plan that was determined before even the foundation of the world, it, it was so tough is uh, there's a lot of periods of time in the Old Testament where it was hidden, isn't there? Right? You, you guys mock me for you know, thinking the hundreds of years was cool, but now it's pretty cool because there's literally like hundreds of years, like there's these gaps, right? Okay, you're gonna deal with Satan, right? Like you're gonna handle death. Okay, we got a promise. There's a promise. What's gonna happen? And, and so there's these gaps, like there's so many situations where, where people are like, okay, so is it gonna happen now? And to the point where there was this confusion over the, the messaging, wasn't there? Because so much time had elapsed, it had been hidden for so long that even when Jesus came, his own disciples who were the closest people to him, they're confused. Why do you keep talking about a cross? Like what is going on, right? And you guys, maybe that's you and me today. As we look at the events occurring within our own lives, maybe just even around the world, in our community, we wonder why God, God, why have you allowed that to happen? God, why haven't you taken that away? And it's so tough because most of the time, at least for me, I don't get to know the why at the time. But sometimes, looking back, I, I can see the why. But you guys, whether we can see the why or not, guys, it's not the main point. Like, when you think of the greatest suffering in the Bible, we typically think of the poster child, which is Job. You guys, Job never got to find out why. Like, like we don't read of this, like, God moment with him where he's like, sits down. He's like, okay, Job. This is why all that happened to you. That doesn't happen. So, so what does like Job do, right? He never got to find out the why, but what we do see throughout the book of Job is God was in complete control and he was actually even limiting the work that Satan could do. The beauty of the story through all of this is how Job got to know God. And, and I think that's what we miss because the reality is this, at the end of, of, of this story, he could say, and he says these beautiful words in Job's chap, Job chapter 2, 42, verse 5. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. 
Now, if we would have asked Job, like, hey, you feeling happy? Feeling holier? No. And I've got horrible friends, right? Like, he's, he's dealing with it all. My wife thinks I should just die, right? Like, I mean, and yet we read at the end, without a why. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Guys, the time of the end as we read it in scripture, it's approaching. But the plans that have been written to give comfort and hope to people that have placed their faith and hope and trust in Jesus, it, it gives us comfort even in these challenging days. You guys, there's a kingdom and a king coming that has planned since the beginning and beyond to do this. And, and, and can you remember what Jesus said to, uh, he's gonna say to his sheep on that day? In Matthew 25, 34, this is what he's gonna say. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow. What a day, what a plan forged in the love of God and in the willing sacrifice of the lamb of God. And the takeaway is this, even today, whatever your today looks like, God has a plan for you. And guess what? It is our absolute joy to discover what that is and then to walk in it as we anticipate his return and cling to his plan for our lives. So my question is this, it's really twofold. Will you trust his plan for your life? Will you place your trust in the reality that he is in control? He's working behind the scenes. If there's things happening, you can't see it. And maybe it's tough. Maybe, I mean, there's so many stories just even in our community of suffering, of pain, physically, emotionally, mentally. So many people battling discouragement. There's so many people battling just, I, I, it's overwhelming. And it makes it really hard to trust, especially when we know how, how he promises it's going to end, but it hasn't happened yet. And when something hasn't happened, when I think I need it to happen, I drift. Things become normal. Our relationship becomes a religion. And so the question I have is, will you trust in his plan for your life? And second, and this is, this is even more important, will you step into that plan? Will you step into it? It's really convenient, isn't it, to just say, I just trust you, right? To God. I trust you, God. But to step into it, that means I really believe it. And I just find so often that so many people will agree with me and agree with these statements. But I tell you what, their lives are a mess. And they're broken, they're hurt, they're wounded, and, and, and they're battling these things and these thoughts, and they're awful and, and all of this. And, 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 and the reality is because certain things 
uh, are still there. Are, they're still in my life. I, I, I'm, I'm unwilling anymore to step into that trust. And guys, I'm gonna tell you right now, um, that's the invitation. It's not just to acknowledge that you trust him. It's to walk in it. It's to step into his plan. And he, and he promises, he lays it out. He says, I am at work. I am worthy. You can, you can place your hope. You can place your trust in me. I've given you story after story. You, of all the generations, you have the completed work of God. You know how this is going to end. Will you step into the story that I have for you? Will you take hold of the fact that you're not random? You're not purposeless. Uh, that, that, that life is happening and, and, it, and it's not just, oh, I've forgotten about you or that caught me off guard. No, I've been in complete control from the beginning all the way to the end. And I want to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And those are the words that I live for. And so you guys, uh, what it comes down to is, will I trust in his plan? And will I be willing to walk in that plan, uh, knowing that there's so much purpose behind what he's doing in and through your life, even right now? Now, but guys, I'll tell you what, right now, if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, you don't have trust. And so you have to make a decision. What are you going to do with what God's word says is true? Will you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Will you place your faith and hope and trust in the perfect sacrificial lamb who went to the cross for all of your past, your present, and your future sins? And he took them there. And he died to create a way back to God so that you and I, through the power of the resurrection, could live in victory and restoration of communion with God into a newness of life. You guys, we were reading, we we're singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I've got my phone because I, I just like Googled the lyrics because there was a moment when I was just listening and, and it was just so great. It says, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Amen? Guys, that's it. And that's what we hold on to. That's what we move forward with. And we see the incredible purpose of God in our lives today. Let's pray.